For MeetPoultry.com, I'm Ryan McCarthy, Digital Media Associate Editor. The World Butcher's Challenge has continued to grow since its inception in 2011. First, it was a small competition between Australia and New Zealand. Then, some European countries joined the fray before expanding the field last year to 12 teams. Starting in 2020, the World Butcher's Challenge will be held in a basketball arena in Sacramento, California, thanks in part to Danny Johnson, the owner of Taylor's Market. In our latest podcast, Johnson takes us through how he managed to help form the Butcher's Guild, how the USA Butcher team was developed to face off against its foes across the world, and how the three-hour, 15-minute World Challenge works. Plus, we discuss how important this was to him to bring the World Butcher's Challenge to his hometown of Sacramento. Finally, we talk about the sustainable local practices Johnson and the competitors will be using during the event next year. Take a listen. For the first thing I wanted to talk about, uh, how did you come up with the Butcher's Guild and why is it such an important uh, organization that you guys have started? So I, I didn't come up with the Butcher's Guild. I joined it. It was um, Tia Harrison, who is our team manager for the Butchers of America. She is the founder of the Butcher's Guild. And it's been around for, I would say, probably 10 years now. And her, her thought process was just to, to go back to the roots of butchering. Um, a lot of uh, European countries, a lot of countries always had a guild. And she realized the United States didn't have a guild, and she wanted to talk about craft butchering and whole animal butchers and people that you know cared about where the animals come from and sustainability. Um, I, I found out about what she was doing, reached out to her, and uh, we developed a you know, pretty good bond over butchering, and, and we've taken it from there. Sure. And now you guys got a big concept, uh, I know, with this Butchers of America slash Team USA um, how did that become such a, a major focus for you guys um, competing and, and all that stuff? So that went back to 2000, summer of 2017. It was May, late May. Got an email um, from Tia. Said, hey, have you heard about this um, World Butcher Challenge? Maybe we should form a team. And I'm like, when's the competition? And she said it was in March of 2018. So we had a small window to act. We were already, they'd already closed the entries. We reached out to the World Butcher Council and said, hey, man, we would like to form a United States team. And, you know, they were like, that's awesome. So we put together a team basically just on reputation, just people we knew started reaching out to people saying, hey, um, would you like to be part of it? And, uh, you know, some people said yes, some people said no. And in eight short months, we formed a team, went to Belfast, competed, raised almost $100,000, and ended up taking sixth place out of uh, 12 countries. And out of the new countries into this competition, we were the second-place country. So we were pretty happy with how we placed. Yeah, it's it seems like an an amazing thing that you guys were able to get that all together in eight months. I uh, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the competition itself uh, when you were competing. 
against 12 teams. What is that like when you're – I was watching some of the stuff online the other day, and you've got like three or four hours, right, to get everything together and compete and everything like that. That just seems like a very high-intensity but exciting way to, to do some butchering. So there, there's – it's a six-person team. And you have three hours and 15 minutes to take a half beef, a half hog, a whole lamb, and five chickens and turn it into a themed display that's approximately 24 feet long with um, signage telling how to cook it, value-added products, and you also have to make three gourmet sausages while you're doing all this. And you want to have as minimal waste as possible. It's not part of the criteria. It's what we did as an American team. We wanted to change the conversation a little bit about using everything. So out of all of that, we ended up with about two and a half pounds of waste. And when the judges seen that, they were looking they were looking under our table skirts right. to see if we were hiding stuff. Um, and like I said, we changed the conversation on how this competition is going forward because American butchers have a little bit of a stigma as being bandsaw butchers and box cutters. So we kind of showed the world that no, there's still some, you know, craft butchering going on in the United States. And how much total weight did you start with when you only ended up with two and a half pounds? Uh, so let's see, a side of beef was 300 pounds. The hog was a hundred. The lamb was 50 and the chickens were four pounds each. So let's see. That sounds that's almost about five hundred pounds of, to start. Yeah, that's like four fifty somewhere in there. Yeah, that's incredible. I that's I I'm very impressed that I'm sure they were surprised when they saw how much you guys had left over. Um, yeah, they were asking where everything was, and we're <laughs> like, it's on our table, it's on our display. Right. Um, and it looks like you guys were able to organize this and and get it into Sacramento in 2020. What what all went into you guys getting it into the United States? Um, it sounds like you guys were able to win the bid pretty quickly after forming a team even, too. So what happened was um, Sacramento has branded itself in the past 10 years or so as the farm-to-fork capital of um, North America. And, you know, there's plenty of communities that brand themselves that way. What we What we were able to do as a community is we have the resources within 100 miles of just getting almost any protein, any product that a chef or someone in the culinary world would want. And so they started this festival. When I found out about the World Butcher Challenge and got involved, we've always been participants in the festival and done butcher demos and got a great reception. I approached um, Mike Testa from Visit Sacramento, the Visitors Convention Bureau, who produces the Farm to Fork Festival. And I said, hey, man, this might be a good thing to, to do here in Sacramento. And he goes, what's your idea? And I said, uh, Golden One Center. We reached out to the mayor's office and said, you know, we'd like to get a couple of days at the Golden One to uh, do this through the city. And they were receptive. And, you know, it's a brand new concept, obviously. And Visit Sac's biggest fear is writing a blank check. And I'm like, no, I think you're going to get a pretty good response. So when we went to Belfast, they kind of turned Paul and I, who's team member and he's also my right hand guy here at Taylor's loose and said you can make a presentation um you know and see if, if we can if you can get the bid so I made a presentation kind of off the cuff told him what Sacramento had to offer told him about the Golden One Center 
which was, is a new event center that's is home that, of the Sacramento. Yeah, the Kings. That's what I was going to ask. And, you know, it seats 17,000 people. And it, it's just going to change the complete dynamic of how this event is produced. And we were going against um, San Paulo, Brazil, and Paris, France for the bid. And when we told them that the Visitors Convention Bureau is involved, it's a nonprofit organization. So they're not looking to profit off this. They're looking to just pay their bills and promote tourism and visitation into Sacramento. The World Butcher Council voted on it and said, yeah, they, they love the idea. So moving forward, we're trying to get it in here just perpetually every two years. Gotcha. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, going back to the competition, uh, how is it judged at the end of the three hours and 15 minutes after everything's wrapped up? So the, the criteria is pretty stiff. They, um, they're, they're judging you as you're competing. They will look at you guys, you know, how, the, the teams as they come in, what their uniforms look like. And they pretty much want your uniforms to look the same way when you're done. So they'll judge you on if you have, you know, some debris on your shoes or you've got a smudge on your your apron or on your on your sleeve. They um they work they looked at how the team communicates and works together as a team. That there's not just one person doing all the work. They look at at uh, cuts and make sure there's no slash marks. How clean the bones are, how how well organized you are. They look at for value adding, and they look at theme to make sure you conveyed your theme and your display that it's all nice and tidy, and you have all your uh, all your signs in. That was one of our failures. We forgot to put signs in a couple things in Belfast that cost us some points. So yeah, there, there's a it's a pretty strict criteria. And there's about five pages of judging criteria. Okay, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound like an an easy task to to pass at all, more than anything. So, well, that actually that's the competition's the easy part. Um, in my eyes, leading up to it is all the stress and doing the practices and fundraising. That's our biggest challenge. For sure. Yeah, I I wanted to. Uh, touch on that a little bit. How do you guys train and how do you guys fundraise uh, in order to compete in these things? So the, the trainings here at uh, Taylor's Market in Sacramento, all of um, what we do is we, we clear out our restaurant, which is next door to our store, and we, we try to recreate what would happen in the, the day of the competition. So we have a, a table set up that we put our display on. We have a meat hanging system that we've built that we bring into the restaurant and we put blocks and we do it on a timed thing. We have um, Tia will walk around with a clipboard and kind of be the judge. And she actually is going to be the American judge for this competition. And, you know, she kind of criticizes us and tells us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And we just work on communications and making sure that it's all muscle memory by the time it gets to game day. As far as fundraising, you know, we've approached a lot of different companies. We have some companies that have signed on. Um, Duraflame has been become a major sponsor. Pacific Seafood is a major sponsor. Superior Lamb is a major sponsor. And, you know, we solicit companies that we work with, and we also sell hats, Butchers of America hats. 
and we also have a GoFundMe. Gotcha. You know, Danny, the other thing I was really interested about, I, I want to go back to having it in the Golden One Center. Um, how is that going to compare to where you guys were competing in Belfast uh, two years ago? So Belfast, they had 12 teams, two heats of six. So basically it was a it was six little butcher shops set up in the back of this event tent. They had a butcher trade show built around this this um, butcher challenge. And it, like I said, it was in the very back, so there was like six rows with butcher shops. In At the Golden One Center, we have 16 countries coming in. And if you can picture a bowl like in a in our, an arena, we're going to work from the inside out. So all the display tables will be lined up around the perimeter of the bowl. So you can walk all the way around the seating area and look down. You'll be looking down upon each country's display. And all 16 teams will go at the same time. Wow. So the best analogy I have for it is the show Iron Chef. It's Iron Chef on steroids. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it seems like it. If It's a gigantic coliseum-like uh, Iron Chef type thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it sounds like such a cool event. You know, I was... I was looking at some of the the competition last night that was on the World Butcher Challenge website. I know they they put the whole competition up there afterwards. Um, I was curious if you guys learn anything from uh, the other countries when uh, you you not only compete against them, but I'm guessing you you trade and and talk about a lot of your practices uh, throughout these competitions. Probably afterwards, I would assume. But um, do you guys talk about that kind of stuff and? share your your you know your passion for being butchers around the world oh yeah we do it it's a small community and, and it's actually pretty cool it's getting to be a larger community but i i made the statement at the press conference in belfast when they asked me they're like you know you're the american captain this is your guys' first time here you know what are your thoughts and i told them that in this competition there's going to be one team that wins but there'll be no one that loses because we're sharing ideas um a lot of us have the same problems with the refrigeration it's not only cuts of meat but just talking about business and, and right. how to deal with certain aspects of the business so we had all the captains here the end of september for the farm to fork festival here in sacramento we gave them a tour of the golden one center so we had all 16 captains from around the world which the response to that was fantastic and we got to spend four days together and sharing ideas we toured some ranches and the camaraderie, it, it's great. I mean, you're constantly texting each other. Um, we're all on WhatsApp, so somebody will take a picture of something they're doing, and they're like, hey, what do you think of this? Um, some of it's, you know, cloak and dagger. There's some humor involved. Like we went on Instagram and, and told them, hey, we're going to reveal our theme to the rest of the world, and we showed just a blank block, and I was joking. I'm like, hey, you know, our theme is absolutely nothing. We think it's brilliant. It's clean. It's precise. Look at the clean lines. And it's funny, the, the Australian captain called me. He goes, you got my team in an uproar. They wanted to know if you were serious or not. So, you know, That's just funny. the camaraderie and the joking. Um, you know, we all know we're going to be competing against each other, but but there's not this intense it, – it's almost got like an Olympic-type feel to it where, you know, everybody's buddies, but when you compete – yeah, sure. Somebody wants to win. Gotcha. But it, it's not, you're not out for, you know, heck, I don't know, for blood, as you say. Sure. 
Yeah, and you've mentioned your your regular business at Taylor's Market. Um, with your day-to-day business, I'm sure you've got to cut a lot of meat, and sometimes you've probably got to do it quickly, but what is it like um, having it having this three-hour, 15-minute clock going the whole time? Um, is it similar at all to what you do on your, your normal stuff? Well, and, and that's, yeah, it is a little bit. I, I tried to, when we were at Belfast and we were huddled up before we started, I told everybody, I said, hey, guys, we need to look at this like it's December 23rd, which is usually the busiest day in the in the meat industry. And I said, you're going to set a case, and we're opening in, in three hours and 15 minutes, and we want everything to be perfect for when all these customers come in to get their holiday goods. And so that's the analogy I use. Um, sometimes you don't have to move that fast. I was fortunate that the people that taught me and my mentors always told me to be have precision and speed, and so it's it's always helped that a sense of urgency is important in this business. Plus, you don't want to leave stuff laying out on the block too long. So you know you have temperature controls you got to worry about. Sure. Um, okay, just a couple more, Danny, and uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, what uh, you mentioned the farm to table thing earlier or farm to fork, excuse me. Um, and I was, I was curious, um, you know, talking about that with other butchers and how they're trying to implement that now uh, throughout their business. I know that's always, sustainability is something that we hear about uh, all the time throughout the meat industry, but I'm just kind of curious to hear it from the, the butcher's perspective. So it's, it's something new, but actually something very old if that makes sense. Um, I started here at Taylor's in 1983. When I started here, there was a slaughterhouse just 15 miles down the road. And we would go down and we'd pick out our beef. Um, Then we got, you know, those people knew us. They were actually the owners of the slaughterhouse were customers. They knew exactly what we wanted. And we would get deliveries three times a week. Hind quarters, front quarters, um, whole chucks, whole primals, nothing was cryvac and it was local local beef. Then as time progressed, things started moving away from that and it got into more box beef and we were struggling to find sources for local product. And then there's been this renaissance and now, for instance, for the competition, the beef we're going to be use, using is from Richard's Ranch, which is 75 miles north of where we are here at Taylor's. The hogs we're going to be using is from Lano Seco, which, again, it's another 75 miles northwest of Taylor's. The chickens we're using are from Pittman Farms, Mary's Chickens. It's 100 miles south of here, Fresno. And the lamb we're using is 12 miles west of here in Dixon from Superior Farms. So everything is, you know, local. I'm constantly being approached by, you know, little ranchers and farmers going, hey, man, I got this chicken or I have this lamb, I have this hog. Um, You know, you want to give it a shot. So there's been a total renaissance with the small butcher shops to, you know, sustainability and, and local product. And it's translated into the major corporations because now you'll see a lot of these major processors 
are starting to implement grass-fed programs and sustainability practices and, you know, animal welfare standards. Right. Yeah, thank you for that. That was, you know, it's it's really interesting to hear um, from your perspective, too, on, on that and, and how everything's going on. Um, okay, last one, Danny. Um, I was just really curious about this one because, um, you know, the U.S. is such a big country, and I know you guys are Team USA, um, but is there any interest that you guys would want to have some sort of competition where you could um, take, I mean, I would guess you'd want it in Sacramento, but you could go against uh, a bunch of different butcher teams in America? We've, we've kind of talked about that. What Maybe not a competition as much, but for like tryouts for the, for the next team. And that's what we did for the 2020 team is we had tryouts. We, we had everybody submit videos. Then we would look at the videos and say, you know, yeah, come on in or this is what you need to work on. And we got a pretty good response from that. As far as, you know, regional teams, that's something that we might be looking into in the, in the future. But with that being said, there's, this is a huge commitment, you know, it's a time commitment. It, it, um, it just takes a lot of personal time to do, to do this, not only professional, but personal time. So it, it's not for everybody. I've always said that um, there's probably some butchers in, you know, it could be Indiana that are just really high quality butchers that are way better than anything we can do, but they're just not interested in this and they're so busy in their own business that they don't have time to do this. Sure. Yeah. It makes total sense. But, uh, yeah, I was just curious. I know I'm, it just, it's just, it was something I thought about. I was like, that seems like it would be a cool thing, uh, that you guys would be able to do. Um, uh, okay. Last one. And then I'll, I'll let you go. Um, you know, I'm always curious to try to connect a lot of the stuff that we do for meat poultry, like to the average meat consumer out there. So, um, what do you think like the average person, uh, who cares about their meat can learn from what you guys are doing at the Butchers Guild and uh, your Team USA Butchers of America? I think the most important thing they can learn is get to know get to know a butcher and get to know the source, you know, their sources for the product. People seem to really be concerned of what they're eating and where it comes from. So just ask a lot of questions and, and draw that butcher close to you and make him part of your inner circle. And that's a little bit of a quote from um, Anthony Bourdain, he has a he had a quote that I use. I don't have it in front of me, but it just talks about getting to know a butcher and embracing them and and making them part of your culinary family, and they can help educate you on on different cuts of meat and how to cook things and where the animals are coming from. Good deal. Well, Danny, thanks so much uh, for taking the time today. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm really excited to see how this turns out next year. Uh, seeing this in a big uh, basketball arena. It's going to be it's going to be quite the event, I think. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Thank you. Make sure to check out the latest stories in the print edition of Meat Poultry magazine and online at meatpoultry.com. Also follow us on social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram all by searching at Meat Poultry. And if you like the podcast, please leave a rating and review. All right, that's it for this time, folks. Thanks for listening. And have a great day.